I know, you're as shocked as we are. More Football is back for episode two. Thanks to all of you. We appreciate the support. The bosses gave us the go-ahead, so what the heck, we're back to talk more football. Alongside Richard Johnson, Vach Lombardi, I'm Adnan Burke. It is great to have you with us. we got a lot of football here to talk about. And who would have thought me and Vach would be the biggest losers? That's right. Fans of the Eagles and Cowboys on one. And Rich is about to get his flex on because the Jaguars, are you kidding me? 1-0, Minshew Mania. Don't worry, it's going to be a prominent topic here on the show. We're going to start with this, though. By the way, Big Ten football coming back in October for you college football fans. But how about the fact that no preseason, you're worried about how these guys are going to look. Are they going to be a step behind? And yet, the quality of the football was pretty good. Rich, we didn't miss a beat. Yeah, I I think you saw the real value of the preseason nakedly revealed, but in a way that I didn't think was going to actually happen. The tackling was pretty good. Uh, You know, the penalties, I thought, relatively were at a minimum to what I expected. The football was crisp. It moved. It was good. But, you know, last year we saw some some prominent guys sitting out more than we realized in 2019's preseason. But I think in 2020, obviously you saw that because there was no preseason, but I think the real value to the preseason comes from this. The preseason, I think, going forward should be used to unearth your gems. I'm talking about your only your third stringers are playing in the preseason, and maybe it's two weeks, and it's and it's your your practice squad guys, your UDFA guys, that sort of thing. I mean, we've seen the starters really do not need the preseason. Uh, that's what week one to me showed as far as the quality of football. You know. I thought it was going to be a lot of huffing and puffing, big guys on the side, plenty of oxygen there, but everybody seemed to be in relatively good shape. And I was excited about that. All negative COVID tests. So if we could just continue to do this, continue to be adults here and not mess anything up, I'm still kind of nervous about fans. But just opening this thing up, man, just super excited about it. One thing I did notice is that we didn't get super nuanced in terms of play calling. My poor Cowboys got beat up an entire half on three plays. And that could be because, you know, maybe we need time to get acclimated to a system. You know, maybe we just don't want to show our hand necessarily. So this is our preseason week one. But we learned it's all about the money. We don't really need it. Uh, And Vach, I share your concerns about the fans. Even if it's 25%, okay, six feet apart, is everybody going to mask up? Is everybody following distances? And by the way, thumbs down on those Chiefs fans who are booing the show of unity. How do you boo a show of unity? This isn't pro anybody or anti anybody. It's just let's all be together. Boo! Play football. Okay, fine. Got the message, Chiefs fans. In the meantime, Vach, let's start with this. Tampa Bay and New England contrasting story. The story of the week, of course was how is Tom Brady going to fare? He looked a little sloppy, okay? He looked like a guy who wasn't that comfortable yet. And maybe that's understandable because he hasn't had preseason yet. Uh, he was obviously, you know, outclassed in some ways by Drew Brees and the Saints, who's got continuity on his side. Not that Brady was terrible. He just looked sure. a little older and looked like a guy who's in a new offense. Cam Newton looks good for the Patriots. And the Patriots win. So team one for team Bill Belichick and 0-1 for Tom Brady. Your feel with both those teams and how they looked. Well, in terms of Breeze and Brady, they both look like old men. But I think the big difference was is that if, if you look at the 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 Bucks, you know, they're built for maybe a younger quarterback with a more active arm. They got guys that can get vertical. They got good size. They got big play guys. But if you look at the Saints and how they're set up, they have route runners. They have yak guys, you know. So maybe Drew Brees and Tom Brady have the same level of arm strength or arm talent for old 50-year-old geriatric men. But Drew Brees' team carries him a little bit more. And in terms of the Patriots and Cam Newton, I mean, you know, it just it just fits like a glove, man. Bill Belichick has been wanting to get the mobile quarterback involved for so long. And the first five or six plays, we just saw Cam carrying it, carrying the football. And and he wasn't old Cam necessarily, but he was Cam enough to be effective in the run. Rich, what you think? Vach, I think what you saw to me was weird because 
the the team, the Patriots, the team that got their quarterback six weeks ago looked like they practiced with this guy for three years. And like you said, fits just like a glove. And yet the uh, the quote unquote goat who got there in March looked like he hadn't run a play. Now, I think there are a couple things at play there. First of all, I think for the Bucs, the game obviously got away from them. The game script was not favorable to the Bucs. Leonard Fournette was in like 16% of snaps, I think, like that. I mean, that's going to happen when you're playing from behind for a lot of that game. But obviously, this is the GOAT. All he does is come back, or all he did was come back with the Patriots. You expect them to be able to mount a little bit. I don't know if there's going to be some friction with him and Bruce Arians. You know, Bruce Arians sort of backed the bus over him a little bit, if you heard some of Bruce Arians' comments. But as far as the Patriots go, oh my goodness, a dizzying amount of quarterback run concepts. I don't know if Cam can or even should run 15 times per game, but I I love what Josh McDaniels and that Patriots offense did on Sunday. They said, we are going to establish it. We're going to run down your throat. We're going to make you defend 11 players instead of 10 in the run game. And that is powerful for the Patriots. And like I said last week, Foch, and I think you agree here, this is how the Patriots and Bill Belichick want to play football. If if you gave Bill Belichick any sort of uh, uh, any scheme template to do and you asked him, what do you want to do? This, control the game, play keep away, and let his defense impose uh, their will on every offense in the National Football League. I hate Bill Belichick so much. He's the only coach that can take Chase Winovich and put him at zero, nose guard, on the goal line, and it works. I hate it. I can't stand it. He's a level 99 wizard. Good luck to the rest of you. I thought it was going to be some kind of falling off, but we just look even better now. Sorry. Sorry, I, Dolphins. I do think, I do think Vach, when as the Patriots get deeper into the season, and I, we're going to get to this, and that may happen Sunday night, I want to see the Patriots offense, this Patriots offense, when they are forced, perhaps, to open it up, when they are forced, perhaps, to chase a game. Uh, that that will obviously be a different composition of a game for the Patriots. But if the Patriots are going to do the thing where they just methodically kind of push out in front and and, and get games that are in the low 20s or, or high teens, I think the Patriots can be able to win a lot of football games like that. And back to your point earlier, Richard, about Bruce Arians. It's We're just so used to coach speak, and Andy Reid's always falling on his sword. Put the blame on me. The fact that Arians is like, yeah, that was on Tom. Like, yeah, that big six, that's what he'd like to have back. I, I was also abused by that. Maybe Tom Brady's got thick skin, not a big deal, but I agree with you. That also opened my eyes just a little bit. I, I hope Tom's got thick skin because, again, remember, some of the friction in New England with Tom was that you know, they, they were not treating him as, you know, the, the anointed or whatever. And he was get, taking a little barbs from Bill behind the scenes. This is different because obviously this is very public on a new team, new franchise, all this sort of thing. But again, look, we got 15 more weeks of season. Tom Brady, if anybody, uh, is going to be able to adjust. We would hope, given what we know about him. But uh, early returns against a solid Saints team that they are going to have to see again and may have to go through in January if it comes to it. Not good. Yeah, Troy Aikman saying potential NFC Conference final preview. I'm not really sure about that, but we'll see. New Orleans definitely looked great. To zone. More live football than anyone else. Stream exclusive Premier League and UEFA Champions League. Stream every NFL game, including the Super Bowl, plus exclusive Red Zone, showing you every touchdown, every Sunday. DAZN, 
Start your free trial at DAZN.com and stream on multiple devices. More live football than anyone else. D-A-Z-N. DAZN. Oh, that's right. The moment of truth. We buried the lead. The amount of consternation for Dallas Cowboys fans after a loss against the Rams on Sunday Night Football. But I somehow feel like Vosh Lombardi's going to put a positive spin as we're going to get into the overreactions here in a second. Yeah, he doesn't want to hear it too. Go ahead, Vosh. Take a big swig of that jug. Big, big swig of that feeling good juice. What do you got in your Cowboys? 0-1. I'm sorry, what was the question? I couldn't. I'm sorry, what was that? How <laughs> <laughs> scared are you about your Cowboys? Come on, this is a team you said was going all the way. First and foremost, we should all be ashamed of ourselves. The Washington football wizards are number one in the East because of me and you, Ed, man, because of our Cowboys and Eagles. But listen, yeah. man, I'm not I'm not panicking. You know, I'm a Cowboys fan, but Cowboys fans bother me the most. They like to panic. They like to, you know, jump off their ledge. Hey, Vice, talk me off a cliff. Like, we're fine. It is one week, and it's one week versus one of the most dangerous offensive and offensive play callers that you can absolutely – like, just, just imagine getting no prep a terrible offseason covid stuff and you just got sean mcveigh week one good luck to you like i give him props i give him credit he's taken the wing tee an old ancient football formation staple and he's turned it into something new he's put some bop in it he's got so he made jared goff look great and jared goff didn't really throw the football very much it was dump offs it was handoffs you know i you know once the defense got going it looked like the great Cowboys I was expecting, but it was a little bit too late. But we get to play some standard teams now with not all this window dressing and fluff. And I think the Cowboys will be better. My problem is, Cowboy fans, relax. Relax. Don't just want to fire Mike McCarthy right now. He just got here. He just got here. And you can't say, well, Vach, why didn't we throw more nine routes and go deeper? Well, they're playing cover two. You're not supposed to do that. Dak Prescott was fine. Amari Cooper versus Jalen Ramsey was pretty good. We just got to clean some things up, man. Relax. Let me have it. One of you. Either one of you. Let me have it. No, Vach, I I do tend to agree with you here. I, I think Sunday night's game is more about the Rams than it is about the Cowboys. First of all, the Cowboys should have had a legitimate shot to actually win that game. Uh, but the refs had made an absolutely terrible offensive pass, interfe- or a, a pass interference call there that I did not like at all. But look, look at what the Rams did. Like you said, you talked about window dressing. The Rams used motion on 34% of their plays on Sunday night, which is, I, I believe, double what the league average was on Sunday. The Rams said, look, we're going to get things moving side to side. We're going to get the Cowboys eye discipline out of place. Obviously, the Cowboys had some injuries on the defensive side of the ball on, on Sunday night. The Cowboys came in, or excuse me, the Rams came in with a plan to mess with the Cowboys, and they did it to a T. I don't think the Cowboys are irreparably broken. There's a lot of season left, but the Rams are on contract too, and Sean McVay is a really, really bright offensive mind, as we all know. They are probably not the, the above-average team that we saw last year. They may be back in the NFC West race, even though we slighted them last week and didn't even talk about them when we talked about the NFC West. So let's segue and talk. Go ahead, Vach, go ahead. What I've learned about that offense, man, is that they're going to run that window dressing until you beat it. In the first half, there was only three plays. But once you stop those three plays and they're forced to drop back and Jared Goff is forced to make some throws, Jared Goff threw the ball to the line judge one time. And and then we actually saw pressure. We actually saw sacks. We saw hits. So next time, if we play the Rams again, I don't want to play them again. But if we do, I think we have a better idea of how to deal with that next time. 
And Vach, this is when we talk about game script. That's what we're talking about. The Rams did not ever have to change up their approach or change what they wanted to do. They were able to play their game within their game the whole game because it wasn't like they were down 17 at any point in time. And and Goff was pressed into doing more than he's capable of. Sean McVay can be in that ear until the radio cuts off at 15 seconds and and Sean McVay can tell him what the Cowboys are doing and all that sort of stuff. The, the, The Rams did not have to play outside of themselves on Sunday night at all. Fair enough. Fair enough from Vach. Wow. And this is the thing. I'd love to pile on, but the Eagles offensive line was a disaster. I mean, seriously, depleted. We we knew that was going to happen. Andre Dillard is out. So Jason Peters, hey, I'm coming back to your right guard. No, actually, you're 38 years old. We need you to be a left tackle again. Okay, great. You're missing three starters in your offensive line, and that washed in front seven. We all discussed it a week ago, boys. They're going to bring the heat. That's why they had eight sacks. So we segue now from the Cowboys in trouble. The three of us agree, not really. They're going to be a good team. Maybe we're sleeping on Washington a little bit. But Vach, how about the Eagles? I mean, this is a team now 19-17 and 17 since they won the Super Bowl. The O-line in shambles. It was a whole lot of deep bombs to Jalen Rager, who does look good. But I don't trust my offense, which are going deep passes all the time. Eagles O-line, Eagles in general, level of concern. I think saying Eagles offensive line is an easy way out. I just don't think the Eagles are very good in general. And that's not me, you know, just hating from a Cowboys fan's perspective. Like, think about this. Like, last year, the East was terrible. Like, the Cowboys were bad. Washington was bad. And and, and just for some reason, when Philly makes the playoffs because everybody else is bad, Philly's good now. No, they were pretty bad last year. And I think quarterback had a lot to do with it. Coaching had a lot to do with it. Now, listen, if Carson is already bad and then offensive line is bad, what are you going to do? Miles Sanders didn't didn't, didn't, uh, didn't play. You know, it's so Boston Scott just didn't really make anything of his opportunities. So I think there's a lot more problems. And I can't wait to play the Eagles because I like to, you know, trash talk or whatever and just beat up on y'all every, every chance I can get. But – you know, just play calling, scripting. There was a there was a point to where if you're the Eagles, you could just run the clock and not give Washington another opportunity. But you decide to take more deep shots, deep shots, deep shots, and now you're in this hole and the Washington football team, they have more chances to score and they took advantage of their scoring. Carson Wentz throws some uh, throws some picks there. They took advantage of those turnovers. So I think it's a lot more than offensive line, but saying offensive line is a problem is a good way to just, you know, window dress with the, you know, with the real issue is yeah and then i'm i'm worried about your boys i gotta tell you man because sunday (laughs) i mean that was not good at all but when we talk about the offensive line what worries me the most about the offensive line is how the offensive line got beat washington did not do anything special up front there were no not really many exotic blitzes or pressures or what have you uh washington lined up their four jimmies and and they just whipped washington philadelphia's joes and that's a problem Then we get to Carson Wentz, who was abysmal in my opinion. I I think there's a lot of problems in the Eagles. And I think because there are so many things that that weren't working on Sunday, I think it's hard to figure out which one is the most broken. I think the offensive line is is the the big one. I think it's the, the clearest one. But again, you know, don't forget... Washington's front sevens, in my opinion, the best in the league. So, yeah, there's a problem there. But it also could be that Washington plays really well up front and will continue to do that over the balance of the season. What really bothers me is you get up 17 points on an offense that's not good. Washington's offense is not good and struggled. But finally, because that defense kept Washington in the game, Washington was able to to get over the hump and, and score enough points to win that game. 
And then also, let me just say this too, just to just to kind of clear this up. Haskins wasn't great. Like the Washington football fellas, their offense didn't really didn't really like super you know super impress me. But what happened was is that the Eagles came out with the D pass ad. Now you were saying D pass, D pass, D pass, and it was working because you know Washington was playing a lot of cover one, you know cover zero. But when they you know, made the adjustment cover two. You can't throw deep anymore. For some reason, the Eagles decided to keep throwing deep, and that's where your picks came from. So, just no change. Yeah, it's concerning. To you guys, point with the offense. Washington's offense averaged three point four yards a play. Teams that did that a season ago in twenty nineteen went zero and eighteen. Yet somehow they beat the Eagles. That's an example of just how ineffective the Washington offense was. And yet they come back from being seventeen points down. Next up in terms of overreactions. The San Francisco 49ers, we have not watched the preseason, so if you're a football fan and haven't followed transactions, you go, oh, yeah, Niners, great defense. Robert Sally, D coordinator, they're sick. Well, DeForest Buckner no longer there. And, Richard, it's interesting. I look at that Niners team now, and as far as the Niners being in trouble, that defense is not as impregnable as a season ago, particularly that secondary. I still think they've got a good front seven, but this may not be the great Niners defense from a year ago. I know you're bullish on the Cardinals, wanting to watch what sure. they would do. Kyler Murray and the Cardinals look good. What do you make of the Niners? Well, okay. On, on one hand, we can't sit here and say the Cardinals are going to be better. The Cardinals are going to win maybe seven games. I think the Cardinals are going to challenge in the toughest division in football. And then the Cardinals win week one and overreact and say the Niners are irreparably broken. Like we thought the Cardinals were going to be better. The Cardinals were better. Clear. Uh, the Niners, that defense, I, I need to see it more in deeper into the season. I'm not ready to sort of pull the panic button on the Niners defense, but that scheme, when that scheme gets figured out, it, the same thing I saw with my Jacksonville Jaguars in 2018, when that sort of cover three fairly vanilla scheme gets figured out and you're not winning up front at the level that you were last year, uh, yeah, there, there may be some deep problems in that defense. But I'm not ready to say that yet. I want to see the Niners play some more football. I think, I think uh, Sunday's result is way more about a Cardinals team that for at least a week, showed proof of concept and progression in that game. Kyler's got to do a little bit more throwing the ball. I think his legs are what kind of pushed them to the victory there. Uh, you know, Nuke had 14 receptions. Uh, you know, the offense is going to round into shape more as the season goes on. I'll tell you what, man, there's this old term in ball is maybe they just have my number. Kyler Murray has never lost to these people. Kyler beat the San Francisco 49ers twice last year, and now he's an he's he's a perfect three and zero against them. You know, and at some point we just we just we just have to be honest. Hey, Jimmy, like when run game goes away, now what? You know, most of kind of had that big play. You know, run game was working, was working, and that's your staple. That's what y'all do. Y'all run the football. But, Jimmy, you have to take that next step. And Kyler Murray is just so tough. I would say that they kind of had a acclimation period. That first few quarters, it was kind of weird, but Kyler kept fighting. He kept going, and he finally got his rapport going with Nuke Hopkins, and they figured it out in the end. And the 49ers did not. So, like I said, it's, it's very early. Got to see some more ball. That defense could just start to mold a little bit. But if we have you figured out, are you good enough to make the adjustment? That's the thing about it. Everybody gets figured out at some point. Defense always catches up. Offense always catches up. But are you good enough to fix yourself once they catch up? And we got to see that from the 49ers. And as we've agreed, it's going to be a very tough division there in the FC West. A couple more overreactions, then we'll get to games we're most popped up for. This is the moment of truth. That's right for Richard Johnson to get his flex on. As I mentioned, the Jackson I have waited Jaguars. nine months for this moment. <laughs> Gardner Minshew, 19 of 20. Minshew mania. I'm surprised you're not going to shave the beard now and just go with the mustache in honor of your boy Gardner Minshew. 
Guys, he was electric on Sunday. Now, they didn't throw deep a lot, but Gardner Minshew could have very well been 20 out of 20. The one drop was on frame, hit LaVisca Chanel in the hands. I think you saw a Jay Gruden offense that is going to, similar to the Rams, they're going to move guys around. They're going to mess with eye discipline. They're going to do some college-ish stuff with some RPOs. You saw James Robinson as an undrafted free agent from Illinois State with incredible acceleration. I am a little bit worried about how the Jaguars may try to run the ball. I think they struggled to run the ball in the second half against the Colts. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, the Jags actually stopped the run, which I have not seen since 2017. It was a breath of fresh air. C.J. Henderson was the best rookie in football on Sunday. I'm very impressed with that pick, which was a pick that I didn't really actually love personally, which is sacrilege from both a Jags <laughs> fan and a Florida fan. But, hey, you know, I love to be wrong there. Um, I, I wonder if Minshew has to play perfect in order for this team to win games. That is what worries me. But again, a lot of season left. We'll see if the, if the Jaguars can actually take a step forward. But yeah, I'm absolutely excited. I'm thrilled. I'm enthralled. I'm energized. I'm ready to smack the Titans in week two is what I'm saying. Oh, buddy. So Rich, let's talk about it, man. Let's get a little bit of nuance in this thing. Let me ask you a question, sir. And look me in the eye and don't lie to me. Did you really want to win that game? Right? Yeah, because so, there's this thing. They're yes. trying to tank. Yeah. So I, I don't... A, I, Give it to me, Vaj. So this is my thing, right? There's this balance that Jaguars fans and their, their team organization, they have to figure this out right now, in my opinion, figure this out right now, is do we move forward with Gardner? Is he good enough for us to move forward with him? And then when we draft, we just get guys around him. Or if he's not the guy, we have to stop winning right now so we can go get Trevor Lawrence. So that's what you were saying earlier. Great point, by the way, is does Gardner have to be perfect? You don't want him to have to be perfect. Quarterbacks typically, they they, they shouldn't have to be that way, right? But is it a situation where, okay, cool, maybe you have just one more year developing, getting better, and we'll just draft Jamar Chase to kind of help you out on that back end, right? Or is it a situation where Gardner's not the future, but he's winning? I now, it, look, if you if you got a guy that can go 19 out of 20, I think, you, you know, you're optimistic about him being able to take the next step. Again, like we said, we've got to see what happens when it's not perfect. But Gardner makes really, really good decisions. And if nothing else, that is something that you can kind of hang your hat on for a quarterback. And so, yeah, my best case scenario, obviously, is that Gardner's good or at least they feel good enough to just stock that team around him. But again, the Jaguars have enough picks to pull a Trubisky-style trade if they need to and pull the plug on the Minshew experiment. But yeah, let's give it a couple more weeks. Let's see what happens if, when Minshew doesn't play as well as he did on Sunday. And let's see if you know, you're going to need to pull the plug. Again, sort of the worst case scenario for an NFL team is to languish in that 5-6-7 win thing with a quarterback that you are not quite sure of uh, you know, what he really is. I, I think... Gardner Minshew, we're going to get uh, quite a bit of proof concept in the over the next few Sundays about what he is and what he can be. A year ago, you heard tank for two, and now it's tank for Lawrence, all right? Week two game, you're most hyped for. Richard, it's actually not a great slate. This is a little – listen, we're honest here on the show. We're all hyped up for football to be back. You look at the schedule week two, you go, eh, okay, interesting. But you got a great game, which is coming up on Sunday night. I can't wait to watch Patriots Seahawks. And I know it's a Sunday night game. They're giving it to us on Sunday night for a reason. But that is going to be really, really fun. The Seahawks defense, sneaky 
Jamal Adams, they let Jamal Adams cook on Sunday against the Falcons. It was really fun to watch. I cannot wait to see the Styles make fight battle that is going to be uh, Pats offense, Seahawks defense, Seahawks offense, Pats defense. It's going to be a lot of fun, Botch. I know for scheme guys, that is going to be absolute candy to end the day on Sunday night. Absolutely. I'm going to look at the Saints and the Raiders. This and the Saints we just discussed. Obviously, look great week one. Drew Brees. I'm curious. This could be his final season, maybe his second last season. Can they keep that offense going? Alvin Kamara now happy, getting paid against John Gruden. The Raiders. They started the season one and zero. So maybe the Raiders could be a surprise team. I know Vosh threw down the gauntlets that Gruden's going to get bought on at some point. So Saints Raiders to me is an interesting game to look forward to. Vosh, how about you? Bill O'Brien, we are looking at you. Your time is ticking. Now, to be fair, let's be fair. You just played a Super Bowl team. Now you have to play another Super Bowl team. So let's just be fair to you. But can you try to fix your mistakes from last week? Can you try to take that that David Johnson thing and try to make that a little better? You know, can you get your wide receivers involved? Can you make some catches with those guys? Now, we were saying earlier about, you know, guys, guys being rusty. You know, somebody asked me, well, Vach, Will Fuller just dropped the pass. Is that him being rusty? I'm like, nah, Will Fuller would have dropped that pass in week 17. So you just got to <laughs> clean up some of those mistakes. <laughs> clean that stuff up. You know, uh, try to get better and attempt to beat Lamar Jackson. I don't think they beat the Ravens, but the key is to go out fighting at least. Rich the Texans are going go ahead, the Texans are gonna have to throw deep on Sunday, I think, to beat the Ravens. And that's something that they did not do and did not do well against the Chiefs. Now, I you know, I'm wondering if Bill O'Brien, as we talked about at the top of the show, if the Texans were sort of keeping things under wraps, you know, we don't know what we have without Nuke, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but yeah, the, the Texans are going to have to open things up to stay with the Ravens. I think we all agree. Will Fuller fans right now, absolutely furious. You can post your comments right here on YouTube. By the way, when it's not a great schedule, here's the good news. NFL red zone the zone is perfect because you say, all right, on paper, these games aren't great. We know that's what red zone does for you. All the games available as they happen, the best matches there are there for you. Check out NFL red zone on the zone. All right, fellas, Browns and Bengals on Thursday night. The reason to watch this botch is because of the quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield, a disaster in week one. Love the commercials. Taking on Joe Burrow, the Bengals. Break down the quarterback matchup for us. First of all, Joe Burrow will be the GOAT one day. Um, you know, he had a really good first showing, man. You know, just competitive, tough, and it kind of got shaky in the second and third quarters, but that was his first game. That's, that's you know, that's normal. However, that last drive, if you have any doubts about the GOAT or the future GOAT Joe Burrow, watch that last drive. I think he showed that it's not too big for him. He showed, I'm going to be clutch one day when this thing comes together. He showed, I can make tough throws. So, so very tough, big boy NFL throws. And they should have given him the touchdown. I don't care about some A.J. Green push-off. <laughs> I think it's fake. Even if it was a push-off, let him live. You've got to give it to him. In terms of the Browns, the Browns, are probably going to be good on defense, but they might be dysfunctional, dysfunctional enough to lose this football game. Not in a way that the Bengals have to be great, but the Browns might just fumble this thing, man. You know, and I can tell just by watching the game, some of the sideline convos, right? Somebody taps someone on the shoulder and say, hey, look, We've got to get Odell involved. Then they force Odell involved. So if I'm the defense and you're forcing Odell involved, I'm just going to prevent your forcing Odell involved, right? I'm just a YouTuber. I'm no OC. But you might want to get your running back involved. You're a really good running back. 
Nick Chubb, get him involved and stop trying to make Baker this guy. I think it's an ego thing with whoever's calling plays over there to where, hey, we want Baker Mayfield to make these throws. We want Baker Mayfield to be a great quarterback. Baker Mayfield might just have to be your quasi-talented bus driver while your run game and Odell Beckham takes things over. What you think, Rich? Vach, I agree. It 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 wasn't bad. Okay, yes, it was bad on offense for the sure. Browns on Sunday. But as much as it was bad, it was so dysfunctional that you're right, Vach, that they looked at their best when they were trying to run the ball. Nick Chubb ran really well. Uh, Kareem Hunt came in and, and had some good Harry's. They they looked okay running the ball, I think. But when it got to the passing game, you know, Odell, I think three catches on 10 targets. He had a really bad drop on a third down in the third quarter. It just wasn't clicking. It wasn't there. You know, Baker's missing throws left and right. It was so dysfunctional. It was so disjointed, herky-jerky. I think the Browns are going to have to figure a way to be crisp on offense. But again, the Bengals don't have a ton of talent around Joe Burrow. I think the Browns may end up winning this game just by sort of war of attrition over 60 minutes. They are more talented. They are the better football team. But that offense has to be in some sort of sync in the passing game for them to win. Yeah, and just wait for OBJ to start complaining and getting more angry, as would be his reputation. They're trading him, Adnan. You've seen the news. Yeah, exactly. How much longer is LBJ <laughs> going to be there? Just keep watching those trade winds blowing right now. Make sure you catch, by the way, Browns and Bengals on the zone on Thursday night. And as always, check out the Rookie Diaries, which is on the zone. Chase Claypool of the Steelers and also Neville Galmore of the Cowboys. Great stuff there as we catch up with those guys. A couple of Canadians doing big things as they hope in the NFL. And of course, make sure you check out the lineup with Steven Sahoyos and Wesley Chang, your one-stop shop for everything fantasy football. For Richard Johnson and for Vach Lombardi, I'm Adnan Burke. Thank you so much for checking out more football. Please do hit us up on social, on Twitter, on Instagram. Leave comments on YouTube. Whatever you guys want, we're here for you. We'll see you in week three.